somebody shout hallelujah amen father we rejoice that we have the privilege to fellowship in the light of your world we walk in the light and we have no occasion of stumbling your word comes with clarity this morning your people built up equipped edified and jesus glorified we decree that nobody lives here the same way they came thank you lord that your word has total preeminence over our thoughts over our reasonings our minds are renewed by the truth that is contained in your word and we rejoice that by the end of this service we will live here better than we came thank you for grace in jesus precious name and every believer says a powerful amen lift your right hands to heaven let's release our feet together as we say these words i am born of god i am born of the world the word of god is my nature i do not struggle to do the word i do the word naturally therefore today i will understand the word of his grace i will be built up by the end of this service i will never be the same never ever be the same again in jesus name and every believer says a powerful amen we want to welcome everybody connected to this service this morning by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social media community, brothers and sisters online. We're so glad to have all of you in church this morning. We want to welcome all of the Aquaibom State community connected by way of Comfort FM, XL FM, connected by way of Radio Aquaibom, connected by Inspiration Heritage FM. What a joy to have all of you connected to the service, guys. Do me a favor, call a friend, a family member, a loved one somebody you really want to be blessed ask them to tune to this radio station right now life is flowing through the airwaves and all of you on social media like you've always done always a joy to see all of you and have all of you connected to the service do me the same pleasure this morning of inviting a friend tag somebody join as many groups as possible let's get this word to the ends of the earth also put them on monogram telegram drop them on whatsapp groups let's get the word around the world what a joy to welcome all of you all of our campuses around the world i'm excited to have all of you this morning guys get ready it's going to be an exciting study of god's word are we excited to be in church this morning can we celebrate the word with a shout this morning glory amen Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self this morning as we continue our teaching series on wisdom for living. Wisdom for living. We've been examining the relationships of the new creation. The relationships of the new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17 therefore if any man be in christ kenneth copeland says when you see therefore find out what it is there for <laughs> therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature all things are passed away behold all things are become new we have been examining the relationships of the new creation the kind of relationships in the bible what does the Bible teach us about relationships as children of God? Relationships has to do with the kind of people we associate with and how we associate with people. And most importantly, how we conduct ourselves 
in the kind of relationships that we engage in. Second Corinthians, where we read chapter 5, verse 17. I'd like us to look at verse 16 because 16 drives the point home. Second Corinthians 5, 16. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more give me the amplified translation the ampc amplified let's see what it says he says consequently from now on we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value no even though we once did estimate christ from a human viewpoint and as a man yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Next verse, amplified. Next verse, 17. <clears throat> Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Praise God. So that is... We do not see people again from the natural human point of view. We now look at people through the eyes of the world. We use the word of God as our binoculars to estimate to look at people. What does the word say about this person? What does the word say about that person? That's how we estimate people now as believers. And that should be our standpoint with human beings generally as we come across people remember we also said that not everybody on earth is a child of god first john chapter 3 verse 2 the scripture tells us now are we the sons of god now are we the sons of god before we were not but now are we the sons of god and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is then verse 1 of that same chapter says first john chapter 3 verse 1 behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Now are we the sons of God. Can everybody say to me very loud, I am a son of God now. So based on that, it means we are in the family of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 and 19. We are in the family of God. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Next verse. Verse 19. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So you belong to the household of God. The minute you are born again, you are a member of God's family. The word household there means the family of God. So there is a family of God. 
Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 brother Paul speaking about this family he says for this cause I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ next verse of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named so the family of God is in heaven and on earth so there's a family of God that is in the earth it is called the household of God. The household of God is a church. The church is the body of Christ. The family of God. God is our father. And God is not everybody's father. He is our father. We are in his family, but it's not the father of everybody. Jesus speaking in John 8, 44, John chapter 8, verse 44 said to some people, You are of your father, the devil, and the loss of your father you will do. He is or he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it so there are people whose father is the devil jesus calls some people the children of the devil so not everybody is a child of god look at first john chapter 3 verse number 10 first john chapter 3 verse number 10 in this the children of god are manifest and the children of the devil and the children of the devil whosoever doth not righteousness is not of god neither he that loveth not his brother so we have two different families on earth there is the family of god and there is the family of the devil anyone who has refused to receive the gospel of christ is in the family of satan we exhausted that you know a few days ago if you were in church last sunday first second sunday and last wednesday we, we exhausted all of this and I recommend you get all of those teachings if you are not here. We must not, we cannot, we cannot, we must not be in close relationship with someone who is not born again. No matter what. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse number 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers... For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? That means the minute you came into Christ, your friendship changes. Your friendships changes. Why has your friendship not changed? Because you are not listening to the word of God. A man that is not listening to the word of God does not see why he should change his friends. As far as he's concerned, friendship is friendship. If you're listening to the word of God, the kind of friendships, associations you keep will be different from what you kept before you go born again. Because your value system changes. Your scale of preference changes. Your priorities are redefined. You know, um, those you call your, your intimate or your confidence will change automatically. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just what happens. It's a natural manifestation of your new identity. It doesn't call for any too much counsel. You just know that uh, this can't work anymore. 
you hang out with them you have nothing to discuss because you you don't you don't see from the same viewpoint are we together in the building i mean everything you just it just can't work anymore james chapter 4 verse 4 james chapter 4 verse number 4 he says ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with god whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of god who is the who is the world anyone who is not a christian is of the world if a man is not born again let me be using this word christian in a very careful way anyone because like in a choir bomb everybody is a christian you hardly find a non-christian so anyone that is not born again anyone that is not born of god is not fit to be your friend is not fit to be your friend because if a man is not born again not born of god he is of the world and you are not of the world first john 5 for whatsoever is born of god first john 5 4 overcometh the world overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith first john chapter 2 verse 15 love not the world first john 2 15 love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him so love not the world romans chapter 12 verse 2 be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we cannot have close alliance with an unbeliever. Someone who is not a Christian or someone who is not born again. Is it getting clear? If it's getting clear, can I have a powerful amen? Second Corinthians, where we read before, chapter 6, verse 14. I'm going to read to verse 17 because I'd like you to see something in context. Second Corinthians, chapter 6, from 14 to 17. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Next verse. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what path had he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and will walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. So we cannot be in a close relationship with non-Christians. We cannot afford any form of intimacy with non-Christians. Your best friends cannot be someone who is not a Christian. It's unscriptural. Your inner circle has to change. Except nothing really happened to you. Except you're a false brother except you are a pretender among us except you are a wolf in sheep clothings or you are a false convert if you are genuinely born of god and you have experienced god's life what god hates you will hate 
You can be a friend of the world and be a part of God. It's, it's not possible. There has to be that change. I'm not saying you shouldn't relate with people. Of course, you should be friendly with people. But you cannot fellowship with them. You should be nice to people. Honor people. Respect people. Treat people nicely. But you cannot make them your confidants. You cannot make them your intimate bodies. It's not possible. Because you don't share a common affiliation. You don't share a common interest. Your interests differ. You cannot keep close alliances with people who are not saved. We also said you cannot marry an unbeliever. Whether as a man or as a woman. You cannot. You should not. You could not. You couldn't. You shouldn't. You wouldn't. You can'tn't. Any one of them. <laughs> so don't, don't even think about it. That means the minute you came into Christ, your 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 long relationships changed because marriage is a lifetime. You cannot marry somebody who is not a Christian. You all know that marriage does not happen on the wedding day. I'm sure you know that. Marriage does not happen on the wedding day. The day you unveil and take off the veil from her face. Before marriage, there is a relationship. It is that relationship that ultimately leads to marriage. Now, <clears throat> you became best friends, you became intimate you became confident you began to relate very well and then eventually it built up to marriage of course maybe you were friends in school you were friends in your workplace you were friends in your community or you were friends in church you grew in that friendship to where you knew each other to a point where you could trust each other and you discover you could live together for life. Now, you don't start going out on dates with an unbeliever. You don't even try that. Don't even give it a thought. Don't even give it a chance. You don't even tolerate it. Going out with someone who is not of the same faith with you. You should be so conscious of the Christ in you that the unbeliever trying to befriend you is an insult to your sensibility. Because as you look at an unbeliever, you are seeing Satan's child. The moment you see an unbeliever, what should come to your mind is Satan's speaking. That's what you should be thinking. And when you think like that, you can't even consider making him your friend. An unbeliever is a child of Satan. And it doesn't matter how nice and moral he is. His father is the devil. 
So a new creation cannot marry an unbeliever. In the Bible, in Genesis chapter 24, Abraham was going to look for a wife for Isaac, his son, in those days. Then he called his servant Eleazar and said to Eleazar, You will promise me that you will not take a wife for Isaac from the Canaanites. Eleazar, you are going to get a wife for Isaac. But as you are going, you will not take a wife from the Canaanites. Promise me. Man, that was some level of oppression. That is, you could pick somebody and tell him, go and marry for my child. Go and get a wife for my child. Keep that somewhere. Let me give you a second one. Back in the days, some of our mothers, they woke them up and told them, follow that man. And she went with him and they had a wonderful marriage. Keep that somewhere. Wake up. Take your box. Follow that man. And she took her box without thinking and followed that man. That is marriage. You are looking at me as if you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Secondly, Abraham told Eliezer, my servant, this is Isaac, my son. Go, get him a wife. But she must not be from Canaan. Promise me. And Eliezer went and got a wife for Isaac. Genesis 24 verse 3. Put it up for me. Genesis chapter 24 verse number 3. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son, of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Even though I'm dwelling among them, I don't want my son to marry their daughter because the Canaanites were a type of the unbelievers. And the Jews were a type of believers. He said, only from my kindred, only from my nation, marry my, for my son from my tribe, my brethren, my kindred, my nation, my tribe, my brethren. That is only where you are permitted to marry a wife for my son. And Eleazar swore that that's what he will do. One of the sins of Esau in the Bible is that he took a wife from Canaan. Esau. That's why he was a profane person. He was a man of no value. Because he didn't value the things that were, 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 were the things he should value as an Israelite. He went to Canaan and married a, a wife. Just like a born again child of God in this church. With all this knowledge, you go and marry a girl that is not born again. And don't look at me like that because some of you have brought a lady to me that you want to marry. You are looking at me and I asked, are you born again? And she looked at me and she said, I don't know what that means. So what I'm saying is not, I'm not fabricating. I am just pulling it from the resource of history. And then the guy gets embarrassed. Fine girl. Empty inside. Empty shell. You are not supposed to marry outside your kindred. 
You're not supposed to marry outside your tribe. You're not supposed to marry outside your country. Now, I'm not talking as a natural man. I hope you know. When I talk of tribe, I'm not talking of Ibibio. I'm not talking of Ethic. I'm not talking of Ibo. I'm talking about your tribe. Meko Tale Nekayada. You marry from your kindred. You marry from your country. You marry from your own people. That speaks to the church today. Because Israel was a pattern that God used to communicate to the church today. They were a pattern. So that's why no Israelite married outside of Israel. None. Because that was their covenant that God gave to their fathers. That that was the only way it was going to work. Are we still here? Now. You cannot marry outside your brethren in Christ. Not even boyfriend or girlfriend. It is an insult to any girl to befriend an unbeliever. I don't care what he does for you and your mother. It's an insult. It's an insult. If you don't like people looking at you and calling you idiot, then befriending an unbeliever is idioting you. makes you idiotic it's an insult it's like a, a human being befriending a dog you can't afford to tolerate any such relationship with an unbeliever <clears throat> now in fact not even hanging out you can't even hang out with an unbeliever what are you guys going to talk about so we're hanging out you are an unbeliever what are you guys talking what I discussed. What did you find to talk? Politics. Only believers should marry believers. Somebody said, when I marry him, I will get him born again. Don't marry him. Believe for him to be born again first. That faith that you will use to burn him again when you marry him. Use the faith first. Let him be born again before you marry him. Use that same faith. I know you are a giant of faith. So let that your faith get him born again first before you marry him. Amen? I said amen? Some say, uh, yeah, there's no problem. I know he's not really on fire. I know he's just a church goer, but he does not disturb my going to church. He even helps me to go to church. He encourages me to read my Bible. He even wakes me up to say, have you prayed this morning? I know he's not a serious Christian, but he is encouraging me. Your brain, your brain eh, is not together. Something is doing you to even think like that. It's even an insult on you that is an unbeliever that is asking you whether you have prayed. He understands my church activities. He even drops me every time. And he makes sure I don't come late. <laughs> you are getting into a relationship with someone who is Satan's child. And Satan hates you. And you are tolerating his child. You cannot marry an unbeliever. You cannot be best friends with an unbeliever. First Corinthians 15.33 First Corinthians 15.33 First Corinthians, evil communication corrupts good manners. Why do some Christians act like they are not Christians? 
They act like devils. It's the kind of friends they keep. You cannot keep an unbelieving friend close to you and expect to grow up spiritual. Did you hear that? You cannot keep an unbeliever as a friend very close and expect to grow spiritually. He will do everything to distract you from spiritual growth. You have to change your friends. The kind of people you relate with daily, you have to change them because you have to relate with people who are of the same tribe, the same focus, the same objective. You have to change your friends. I'm not saying change your job. The people you work with in your office are your colleagues. They are your professional colleagues. They are not your friends. They are not your confidants. You and them don't have fellowship. You only walk together on professional grounds. You only discuss on professional lines. And it ends there. Those are not friends. Those are your, your colleagues in the office. And you, even your friends in the office must be believers. Even your friends in the office must be believers. We said Christians are now your brothers. Did we deal with that last week? Those are your blood brothers. We must marry from our brethren. Now, so this morning, let me talk to married people. And those that plan to get married. I want to talk to married people. Those who plan to get married. And those that will get married. Married people. <clears throat> the Bible teaches us on how to conduct ourselves in marriage as new creatures. How to go about our relationships in marriage. The Bible gives us the wisdom. There's no form of marriage counseling you need. Please listen carefully. There is no form of marriage counseling you need. That is as important as staying with the word of God. There is no form of marriage counseling you will ever need in life that is as important as staying with the word of God. Because if you stay with the word of God, you will have a successful marriage. If you stay with the word of God, you will have a successful marriage. Successful marriage does not mean hitch-free marriage. Successful marriage does not mean a marriage that may not have challenges and misunderstanding times. Successful marriage does not mean everything will just be like it is Jesus you married. You know, I just married Jesus. I'm living with Jesus. No, successful marriage means you will fulfill the will of God and you will please God in that marriage. What makes a marriage successful is that your marriage is a pleasure to God. That is what makes it successful. It's not whether it has challenges or not. It is that it is a pleasure. It pleases God. And when you please God in your marriage, you too will be fulfilled. Marriage is a relationship that is only permitted between husbands... I mean between believers and believers from the word of God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse number 1. <clears throat> now, concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Please, if you are married, pay attention to this also. 
Now, when it says a man should not touch a woman, it's not like touching your hand or touching your leg or touching your back. Touch there is talking about sexual relationship. Okay? Verse 2. <clears throat> First Corinthians 7 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Three. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband. So he teaches that people in the church were permitted to have their own husband or wife individually. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, the Bible institutes, in Genesis 2 24, the Bible institutes what is called marriage. Which is biblical. Put it up for me. Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. A man shall leave his father and his mother. A man shall not marry his wife into his father and mother's house. A man shall leave his father and his mother. That is the institution of that, the instituting of that institution called marriage. So, we are referring to people who have entered into a separate relationship from every other relationship. This is a separate unique distinct relationship from any other relationship in the church so one is called the husband and the husband is the man capital man the husband you're not hearing me the husband is the man let me repeat because i know why i'm saying what i'm saying the husband is the man Because we live in a world where women are husbands. The husband is the man. And the woman is called the wife. The woman eh, is called the wife. In Matthew 19, Jesus mentions that in response to a question. If you and I will define marriage, we will define marriage from the scriptures. We will not define marriage from what we see. We will not define marriage from what we hear around us. We will define marriage from the scriptures. So a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. And they are one flesh. Now, that means marriage is for independent men. Marriage is for independent men. Who are independent of their parents. Emotionally, physically, and financially. They are independent of their parents. Emotionally, physically, financially. Those are the men that can get married. But that's not our focus today because we will eventually get there. But I'm just mentioning it because it's important. So... When somebody in the university says, I want to marry you, he doesn't know what he's talking about.
or somebody in the secondary school say i want to marry you is the biggest joke of the year he's not ready for marriage until he's ready to leave and cleave you can't cleave until you leave if you have not left you are not cleaving in order for you to cleave you must leave you live to cleave that's marriage you live to cleave emotionally you live to cleave physically you live to cleave financially because marriage will be quit on you responsibility to care for other people marriage comes with its own responsibility so it's not about using daddy's car or using daddy's phone or using daddy's necktie to pose i'm talking about when you are matured and you have left your parents and you are ready to cleave to a distinct relationship with a woman or with a man I teach people not to talk about marriage until you are matured. I've always thought that. You can handle your life. If you cannot handle your own life first, how can you handle an additional life? You can't handle your own life. Everything you ask from your father, you ask from your mother. And you want to add something else. It's not about love. It's not about love. It's not about saying I like you. It's not. That's not marriage. All the effects. Take you out for pizza. Buy you some donut. Are you going to live inside donut? <laughs> Are you going to be eating donut morning, afternoon, evening? If all you're doing is meeting at Tropicana, you know Tropicana? Okay. The cinema. Will you be living there? Will you be walking at Tropicana? Eating popcorn? <laughs> you better get real with life. The relationship that leads to marriage must be seen as serious-minded, not some flimsy stuff. Don't worry, we'll get there. So in Matthew chapter 19, some guys came to Jesus and quoted from the law. Put it up for me. Matthew chapter 19, verse number 3. Mm -mm. Matthew 19, verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? They were quoting from Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 to 5. Because look at the next verse 4. Verse 4. Matthew 19, verse 4. <clears throat> Matthew 19, verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Next verse. Next verse. And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the twin shall be one flesh. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse of that discourse. Verse 7. They say unto him, Why did Moses then 
command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away. Where did Moses say that? Deuteronomy 24 verse 1 to 5. Where Moses gave permission to divorce. That is, there's a reason why a man and woman can separate. In Matthew chapter 19 verse 4, Jesus quoted from Genesis. Okay? What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Then Matthew chapter 19 verse 5 where we read, put it up again, Matthew 19 verse number 5. And said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Next verse, next verse. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. So he is not talking about individuals here. Jesus is talking about marriage. That is, marriage is one. Marriage is one. So let nobody put asunder. And then they asked him a question in verse 7. Matthew 19 verse 7. The question that they put to Jesus. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Look at Jesus' answer in verse 8. Verse 8. Matthew 19 verse 8. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. That is, there was nothing like divorce in the beginning. The institution of marriage was built on the word of God and has no room for divorce. It is built on what God said from the beginning. It was not so. There was no provision for divorce. But because of the hardness of your heart, not your own, the hardness of their hearts, the law of sin, there was permission for certain reasons which are not flimsy for a man and a woman you know why in a relationship of marriage to separate it must be some serious reasons however this is not the law look at verse 9 same <clears throat> matthew 19 verse 9 and i say unto you whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication and shall marry another committed adultery and whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery this is an instruction both from moses what what we just read now is moses and this statement is not repeated in the epistles you will see that statement we read in verse 9 repeated in the epistles because the epistles deal with the new creation. It does not deal with hardness of heart. The epistle is dealing with the new creation. The new creation does not have the hardness of heart. The new creation has a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. The new man has a, a new heart. A heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. The unbeliever has a heart of stone. The believer has a heart of flesh. So the believer does not have a hardness of heart. Therefore, divorce does not apply to the believer because the believer does not have a hardened heart. A hardened heart is for the unbeliever and divorce was only permitted for people with a hardened heart. And the born again man does not have the hardness of heart. 
The new creation has a new spirit. The new creation is born of the spirit of God. The new creation has the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.22 Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness. All of that is found with the new creation. So, the new creation cannot be judged on the same template with the man under the law who has not, who has not the heart of God, but a sinner. First Timothy 1 9. Look at the way Brother Paul puts it in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. A righteous man does not have a hard heart. The law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers and manslayers. Romans chapter 1, 8, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life where in Christ Jesus has set me what? Free from the law of sin and death. So there is no hardness of heart for the man that is born of God. That man is free from the law of sin and death. So what we look at to conduct our marriage is the epistles. What we look at as believers to conduct our marriage is in the epistles. The New Testament. We are married or are going to be married. What guides us or where we get wisdom from is from the epistles. Whether you're married or you're planning to get married, we draw wisdom for our marriage from the epistles because the epistles were written to us. The epistles were written to us. The Old Testament was written for us. The epistles were written to us. The Old Testament was written for us. So our direct message is the epistles. The Old Testament was written for our learning. Romans 15 verse 4. They were written for our learning. But the New Testament, the epistles were written to us. To them that are in Christ Jesus. The epistles are written to them that are in Christ Jesus. I have had people say, and I used to say it many years ago, that marriage is a covenant. But that is not true. Marriage is not a covenant. Marriage is not a covenant. Marriage is a relationship. A relationship. That is just like every friendship. Now when we are in marriage, we cannot make a covenant with one another. That covenant is a commitment. Now that we are in marriage, we now make personal commitments. That commitment is based on the individuals. It's not what you say in the church. It is what you personally commit yourself to do. What you commit yourself to do. Your commitment, listen everybody, please look at me. If you are writing, stop writing. Look at me, listen carefully. Your commitment should never be to your wife. And your commitment should never be to your husband. 
Your commitment should be to the word of God. When you're committed to the word of God, it will keep your marriage. Your commitment should not be to your husband. Your commitment should not be to your wife. Your commitment to, should be to the word of God. When you're committed to the word of God, it will keep your marriage. Your commitment should be to the word of God, not to people. Now, of course, if you're committed to the word, you'll be committed to your wife, you'll be committed to your husband. But your commitment should be to the word, to do the word. I will do the word. Whether my husband is behaving right or not, me, myself, I will do the word. Whether my wife is behaving well or not, my commitment is not based on my wife's seriousness and my commitment is not based on my husband's commitment. I am personally committed and dedicated to the word of God. Therefore, irrespective of his or her behavior, I will be faithful to the word of God in my relationship. Are you following? Your commitment primarily should be to the word of God. And when you are that committed to the word of God, that will be a lasting covenant of marriage. When your commitment primarily is to the word of God, that will be a lasting covenant of marriage. That should be when, where your commitment should be. So that there's no eye service in the marriage. So that there's no hypocrisy in the marriage. So that you're not just doing it for your wife. So that you're not just doing it for your husband. You're doing it because you are, you are, you are born of the word. Therefore, you do the word naturally. Your commitment is to the word of God because you're born of the word. When you have a commitment to the word of God, you will keep your home. You will keep your marriage because the word works. When your commitment is to the word of God, you will keep your marriage, you will keep your home because the word works. Having said that, marriage is therefore husband and wife. The husband is the man. The word husband means someone who keeps. Someone who keeps. The word husband means someone who is the head. A keeper of something. That's the meaning of husband. A keeper of something. The wife is the woman in marriage. Now, according to the word of God, there are responsibilities and instructions for the two parties at no point listen carefully at no point are parents giving instructions concerning the marriage of their children at no point in the whole bible are parents giving instructions concerning the marriage of their children the bible does not recognize the existence of parents where marriage is concerned Parents cease to exist the day their boy left. The parents' relationship to that marriage died 
The day their boy left. And the day their daughter left. That's why only a foolish man will report his wife to his parents. And only an idiotic woman will report her husband to her parents. And if you have done it, that's what you are. I'm your spiritual father. I can call you names that represent your misbehavior. I'm not an uncle. I'm a father. Am I a father? For you to go back to your parents after you are married to report your husband, you were not fit to have been married. It means, it means you left prematurely. It means you are still having your pampas on when you went to marry. Teaching good. At no point are parents giving instructions concerning the marriage of their children. There's nowhere in the Bible you find that. So, in the word of God, the only two parties recognized in a marriage relationship are the husband and the wife. Secondly, at no point are the children of that relationship giving instructions concerning their parents. At no point. Nowhere in the Bible. So it is not within me to do something about the marriage of my father and mother. It's not within me. It's not within the children at the same time to do something or give instructions from the word of God. To do something about my marriage with their mother. No. My children don't exist where me and their mother's marriage is concerned. They don't exist. The responsibility belongs to the two parties in that relationship. So in case you are planning to marry and if it is not good, you go back to your parents. Know today that the moment you marry, they don't exist where the relationship is concerned. I wonder why some folks allow their parents to be involved in their marriage. I wonder why. It makes no sense. When people come to me for counseling, the first thing I ask the two of them is, what does the word of God say about your marriage, about your situation? And then they start stories. Actually, uh, actually, Papa, actually, actually. I just don't like the way she's behaving. What does the word of God say? You even find that some of them don't even know what the word of God says. Some will even say, leave the word of God first. Let's be real. Any reality outside the word of God is false. Leave the word of God first, Papa. Let's be realistic. See how foolish you sound? I'm born of the word. So why will I leave the word of God first? I'm not a traditional ruler. So how will you tell me to leave the word of God first? Between me and you is the Bible. So what else do you want me to use? Papa, leave the word of God. 
That means both of you are not prepared to be married. Because if you are prepared to be married, you will separate the relationship you have from your parents. You will separate it. That shows you are ready to be married. Boys don't get married. Men. Men. It is not good for a man. Not a boy. Boy man are not the same. You move from boys to men. If that transition has not happened, don't think of marriage. You can think of school. You can think of job. You can think of other things. Not marriage. I always tell girls, look at the man you want to get married to. Can you call this man master? Look at him very well. Does he look like somebody you will call my master? If not, tell him, get out. Look, look at him very well. Is he the kind of person you can proudly tell people, my master. You know, sometimes all these pet names, they hide things. Sugar, sweetie, those are no Bible names. They are not in the Bible. Those are worldly names. The Bible name for a husband is Master, my Lord. So look at him well and ask yourself, this man, <laughs> is he fit to be my Lord? <laughs> is, he, is he fit to be my owner? Mm -mm. I beg, sorry. I know they do. <laughs> Praise God. So now I want to address the second party. That's how we are starting this teaching. I want to address the wife today from the word of God. I will start now and I will enter it well in the second service. So I'll advise you wives, stay for the second service to help you a lot. Don't forget the wife is a woman. And sometimes she may appear like she is not the wife because she is taller. <laughs> or she may appear like she is not the wife because she has muscles. You know some women, eh, they are greased. Even when they shake you, you know you shook somebody. <laughs> I remember years ago. You remember? Mama and I received a phone call from a member of this church. That was years ago, not now. Stop looking like that. Years ago. But it will help us in this, what we are teaching. And then even in the phone, the man was whispering. Hey, Papa, 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 please come. Come to my house now. <laughs> I said, where are you? See, I'm in the toilet. <laughs> Please, don't delay. I could be dead. <laughs> I'm not joking. So I told mama, this brother just called now that he's in the toilet. Mama said, is he trying to poo? The poo is not coming out or what? I said, no. The way he's talking, he's whispering even inside the toilet. <laughs> so mama and I quickly got out, jumped in the car, drove to the house. As soon as we arrived at the house, the wife was moving all over the house. She was in charge. She was just moving all over the territory. <laughs> Boko Haram has taken over the place. 
they have put their flag. <laughs> Madam, how are you? Ah, Papa. <laughs> he must have called you. <laughs> he must have called you. I said, where is he? She said, he's in the toilet. I said, what is he doing in the toilet? She said, I locked him in there. Why did you lock him in the toilet? He said, because that's where he belongs. He doesn't want to behave. I must teach him a lesson. Please. Sister, I wanted to remind her who she is. So I said, sister, please bring him out. So she said, Papa, if not for you, he will have been there till tomorrow. Mama looked at her and said, what is it now? Why will you do that? I'm disappointed. She said, oh, Mama, you don't understand. He needs discipline. So she went and opened the toilet. The man came out with towel. <laughs> Only towel. <laughs> Mama and I sat on the on the cushions in the house the wife sat on one of the cushions to show you where the woman has pushed the man to the man took stool <laughs> there were still cushions he took stool and sat humbly <laughs> why are you sitting sit well now <laughs> he said i'm okay here papa <laughs> i'm sure the wife must have told him if you sit on that cushion when they go when they go i'm still here we started talking. It took us time to get the woman to even allow him. The man said, this is what I'm suffering, Papa. We counseled. We counseled. We counseled. We counseled. Finally, peace came. After a while, I hear the wife was pursuing him in the bush with machete. With machete. He was running into the farms. She was going after him with machet. There was never peace in that house. Why marry? I will get there. Keep it somewhere. Sometimes the woman may not be the wife because... She is richer. Or she is much more brilliant. Or much more influential a person in society. In the word of God, she is still the wife. She may be more spiritual, which is in special cases. It shouldn't be the norm. In special cases. She may be more spiritual. But she is still. The wife. It makes no difference. So the woman in the marriage. Is the wife. And this is the person. The scripture is addressing. So for you to function. As a good wife. A good wife. Is a woman. Who pleases God. A good wife is a woman who pleases God. So, 
For a woman to please God as a wife, she must act on the word of God continually. She must act on the word of God continually. Colossians 3.18 and I will close there to continue in the next service because this, this is where I'm really getting into the subject. So, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. In the Lord. Submit yourselves to who? Your own. Your own. Why does he use your own? It means there is only one person a wife submits to. A wife submits to only one person. Your own. Your husband because he's your keeper because he's your head. Give me the Amplified of Colossians 3.18. The Amplified AMPC. Wives. Be subject to your husbands. Subordinate. And adapt yourselves to them. As is right and fitting. And your proper duty. In the law. So when you submit your husband, who are you submitting to? You're submitting to Jesus. To the Lord. You are not weak. Submission is not weakness. A wife submitting is not a statement of weakness. You are only honoring the word. Submission means a woman is honoring the word or a woman is walking in the word. Submit as it is fit in the Lord. Submit. You know, we have adopted so many things from the secular. So many things. Worldliness has come into the church. Because of our interfacing with them. I have had things like the husband is the head, the wife is the neck. So if the wife twists, the husband must fall. Behind every successful man is a successful woman. Then they say, no, she is no more behind, beside. All these thoughts are gotten from a movement called the Women Liberation Movement. They are the originators of these thoughts. The Women Liberation. You know, human right is not scriptural, right? It's constitutional, but it's not scriptural. Because human right glorifies man human right gives man whatever he wants that's not scriptural i don't have anything personal against women liberation movement but that movement is not scriptural 
That movement is not in the world. They want freedom. And this women liberation movement are behind all the gay movements. Homosexual revolts all over Europe and even Africa. It was Barack Obama who brought gayism to Africa. And Robert Mugabe told Obama, let me marry you first. When I marry you, two of us will become example for others to copy. The president of Kenya said to Obama, we are still struggling with bad roads. We don't have water to drink. Marrying men to men is not our problem now. Let us solve this one first. Then we can talk about that one. Revolt against God's plan. Revolt against God's original intent. I mentioned those names because it's not new. It was on the news. It's not something that is, uh, was privately done in the, in the presidency. It was in the news. They teach you. You cannot... You cannot. Don't let your husband. Don't let him. Make sure. Keep him somewhere. Hold him. Control him. And all those thoughts are not in the world. These thoughts come from the world. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. As a service to the Lord. I'm going to get into serious exigencies in the second service. Stand on your feet. Are we blessed? Hallelujah. I want you to help me encourage people you know, husbands and wives. Ask them to tune to the next service online, on television. Ask them to tune to the next service, even on radio. Because we're going to deal with this. Because it's important. If your home life is not good, you can die very young. Very very young. A woman tortured her husband. Tortured him to a point where he stood up and left his house in a tinam and trekked to Uyo. Frustration. He was trekking. Trekked to Uyo. Trekked to Waniba Road. Trekked. And as he was passing by church, he had music and worship. He decided to enter in case he will hear something that will cool his life. He entered church and sat down. And that day I had a guest speaker. And the guest speaker addressed his matter immediately he entered. Called him out. Prayed for him. By the time he got back to Etina, she has packed all her load and left. The man came back rejoicing and celebrating. Now as he was coming back, he came inside the car. 
He didn't trek again. It's Pastor Ayo who said, sometimes you see a man walking on the road and talking alone. <laughs> he said, now trouble. <laughs> a man can be talking and enter main road. Cars are coming, he's not aware. He's in a world of his own. Wahala. If your home is giving you peace, you better be grateful. Because many are not like that. And the reason is because we are driving our, our philosophies, our ideologies from the world. From the secular. We want to be like them. Just like Israel wanted to be like other nations. They wanted to be like other kingdoms. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We have our own lifestyle. We have our own standard of living from the word of God that enables us to shine out our life and live out our realities and fulfill the purpose of God. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. Lift your right hands. Father, we pray for everybody in this service. We pray for everybody online. We pray for marriages. We pray for homes. We pray for families. We pray for couples this morning that these realities will resonate in the hearts and minds of your people. And we pray for those that are yet to get married. We pray for all our single brothers, all our single sisters. Father, we also pray for all our young people. We decree and declare that the spirit of this world will not have dominion over anyone connected to us in the name of Jesus. Us. We declare that the influence of this world is neutralized. The influence of this world is rendered useless. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are set apart. We are a chosen generation. We are a peculiar people. We are a royal nation, Lord Jesus. We are a people with a different mindset in this world. I decree and I declare that through this process of teaching, our minds are renewed. Our minds are renewed. Our minds are renewed in the name of Jesus. And I take authority over every voice of the enemy. I take authority over every voice of fear. It's terminated in the name of Jesus. And we rejoice because there will be miracles of healing, miracles of restoration over marriages, over homes, over relationships through this series. In the name of Jesus. And I also pray for our young people, our single people, that this series will help to situate them in a place where they are fit to get married and they will get married. In the name of Jesus, we declare a miracle of marriages. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. Great grace is upon your people. The blessing is upon everyone hearing the sound of my voice. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Amen. Can we go ahead and celebrate the word of God this morning? Just celebrate. No, that doesn't sound like celebration. The first one was sounding like meditation. But this one now sounds a little more like celebration. Can we celebrate the word of God this morning? Glory. I said glory. The word of God goes forth to heal, to deliver, and to restore. Amen. Grab your offerings who want to honor the word of God. We give in honor. We give in acknowledgement of what Christ has done for us. And we also give as responsible citizens of the kingdom. We give intentionally and we give knowing that our resources are to honor Jesus and honor what he has done. And those of you online, the banking details are there. The radio audience, Mr. Michael Bush will be reading the accounts for you in the next few minutes in Ask the Counselor. 
and of course everybody else on television the banking details are scrolling we like you to make sure that as you continue to feed from this house you honor the word of god you honor the labor of god's word don't just listen to us teach you the word of god and you walk away you know somebody met me in ghana and she said papa i feel so bad every time i feed from you then i go to my church and i give offering meanwhile that's not where i'm feeding from i just want to apologize and then she gave me an offering and i said please let it continue because if you're feeding from me you should be giving to me if you're feeding from me online and you're giving the offering elsewhere you are you are you are, you are robbing me you are a robber yes you're a robber it's just that you're not armed <laughs> you're a robber you're robbing me you're denying me my rights and you're giving it to somebody who does not deserve it that's injustice that's not right if you're feeding from this house you give to this house so we can do more for you to feed more and for more people to feed like you also fed because some people honored what we do if some people didn't give you will not hear what you heard if you don't give some people will not hear so it's important that all of us as a collective body we make our resources available so that much more people can come to the light of god's word amen lift up your offerings father we rejoice that we honor this word and we thank you for the privilege to give today we give in faith we give with joy everybody giving online on television on radio great grace is upon you today and everybody in this building your needs are met supernaturally you lack nothing you are sufficient in all things great grace is upon you in jesus precious name and every believer says that amen on a note of finality now listen to me we're going to be signing you off online but i'm back to you at 11 a.m gmt plus one with all the exegesis on the wife it's going to be an exciting study in the second service or until i see you in the second service enjoy the grace of christ let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service this morning glory amen Woo! glory to god forever you have been blessed by this message for these all the messages and books by Dr. Abel Damino. Please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com.